Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. Michael and I will share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again?, For more information on Michael or myself or forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, your co-hosts, The Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. Hi and welcome to the show. Today is Monday, May the 9th, 2016. Our calling number is 646 200 4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and your questions because that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, dear heart, and welcome, everybody. We're here to, uh, to engage, investigate and engage in the conversation about this awesome first century word forgiveness a word that represents a tool for changing the content of your mind and getting back to the state where you remember who you are one of the first questions that Jeannie and I ask in you know every workshop that we do is how many of you have ever held a newborn child well if you ever held a newborn and tapped into the essence of that newborn you know precisely what love is we're here to support you in being restored to the, the place where you are connected to and remember that that is your essence. Today is Miracle Monday. We're starting a new tradition on MindShifter Radio, and every Monday we're going to be talking about A Course in Miracles. Today the lesson we're going to look at, we're going to tap into and, and look at the lesson, What is the World? And if you've got your book handy, it's, lesson, it's a part of Lesson 240 under the title, What is the World? from the workbook and we have there's a uh, an awesome cd and i'm actually looking to see if i can find it back a few months ago i tried to find a copy of it and couldn't and i recently was able to get one copy of it and we're going to be looking forward to see if we can put it on our website so we can make it available it's an awesome piece it's actually gee, i'm not even sure maybe 20 years old by a group named omen and shanti And so we decided we'd start out with a piece of their music each Monday on Miracle Mondays. And the song title is Let Me Remember. Let me go. 
Michael, are you there? I can hear you talking through the house, but we can't hear you on the show. Oh, excuse me, sweetie. There. Mute there challenged. you go. So that was from the album Let Me Remember, and that was actually not the title song Let Me Remember, but it was Blessings on You. And uh, a group named Omen and Shanti who did just a fabulous album from A Course in Miracles and looking at, in the Course's language, in this context, the sight of Christ and recognizing that in the original Aramaic and in the context of the Course, that word Christ is not a religious word. It's a word that represents one who has an open contact to the mind of love and lives in that space. So when we start to see through the eyes of that direct experience of love rather than through the eyes of the body's mind and all of the content within us from the past, then we start to formulate a different world than the one that the average person has been kind of brainwashed to live in in this, uh, in this culture. And so this lesson that I'd like to talk about today is uh, what is the world really puts it just as, so succinctly and so perfectly into uh, an understandable format of recognizing that there are two worlds. You know, if we listen to the CIA, we've talked about this before. The CIA spent who knows how many millions studying perception and their conclusion. Uh, you know, I, I like to, uh, to jokingly refer to the fact that if you go to the CIA's website, they're teaching A Course in Miracles because they say perception is an active rather than a passive process. It constructs rather than records reality. So our minds construct, call reality, or a whole world that we see, and that's one world that we can live in. The one that we think we're looking at through the windows of our eyes, which in fact is really a picture painted on the inside of our eyeballs, by the content that's stimulated within us. So there's one world, that is the world that comes from, let's say, a person who has some form of hostility or fear in them, and someone comes along and resonates that in them, then they will literally construct a world based in hostility or fear, and whoever it is they think they're looking at, they'll make up a whole appearance that that person is made of their hostility and fear. And when that particular song we just listened to speaks about the idea of born again, where we know how to collapse the world based in hostility or fear, we realize that the actual world that the creator created, the second world that's there, is in fact a gift to show us what it is that we need to forgive. And so at any time we're in some form of hostility or fear, we know that we have we're seeing a world that exists uniquely in our own minds. And when forgiveness is applied, that world collapses and the new world appears, a different way of seeing 
comes along. And that different way of seeing is a world that's based in love or what the Course calls the sight of Christ. So not referring to a religious idea here, but to a mind that is connected to the active presence of love, to the creator's mind, or a mind that's connected to hostility or fear. And what you start to recognize after a while is that the world that the creator created is designed to give you a gift. If you're capable of some form of hostility or fear, the world is going to come along and resonate that for you. And when it does, you will see the content of your own mind made into a picture of someone else and you will project the contents of your mind, your hostility or fear, into that world. There's another line in the Course that says, you must recognize that what is strong enough to make a world can let it go once it realizes that it's in error. So if you're looking at a world of hostility or fear and you apply the tool of forgiveness, what will happen is that tool of forgiveness will empower you, collapse the world output from your mind, and see from a whole different place. See from a mind connected to love and construct a whole different perception. When I'm doing this lesson, we actually just uh, created a two-hour DVD called What is the World? We'll be uh, coming out with that in the not-too-distant future. We're actually just about ready to put uh, some of the um, cuts from that uh, uh, DVD on our YouTube channel. By the way, we did put up the um, mini lesson based on what is the world and what is forgiveness. If you go to www.whyagain.org and when you get to the home page or actually any page there, you'll see on the right-hand side that there's a, a set of links that uh, are social media links. And if you look at the bottom one, it actually goes to YouTube. So if you click on that, you'll be on our YouTube channel. And uh, two things, we've, we've just put in the last couple of days that lesson, what is the world, what is forgiveness, based on A Course in Miracles. And if you uh, open that uh, YouTube channel and you go to, uh, to that link, you, you, we've got many... Uh, videos on that YouTube channel, but if it's entitled ACIM dash what is the world, what is forgiveness mini lesson, and you'll recognize it by the fact that the thumbnail is a picture of the world. And so as you uh, roll down, you'll see a 38 minute lesson or 39 minute lesson that we did last year at a place called the Namaste Center in North Carolina. And you'll get a a picture of this lesson. One of the things that I do whenever I teach this lesson, and of course it's kind of hard to do with an audio media to uh, to get a picture done, but let me draw you a mental picture. Imagine that I draw on the board an airplane propeller, and we know that an airplane propeller is a pivot point with forearms spinning around it. And then let's imagine that we bring a man from the jungles to South America, so I draw a stick figure to represent this man, and he looks at the airplane propeller. The propeller spinning, of course, does our man from the jungle see four arms spinning around a pivot point? No, he's going to see a shiny silver disc. So the man who looks at the spinning propeller 
see something that isn't there. And so we're going to ask you to imagine that and use that as a parable for understanding the core of this particular lesson. So I stand back, this gentleman looking at the propeller or thinks he's looking at the propeller and sees a shiny silver disc, he's living in a world that doesn't exist. The world of his perception, the picture between his ears, is unique and individual for him and is not an accurate, accurate pardon me, representation of what's actually going on. That is the airplane propeller being a pivot point with four arms spinning around it. And so imagine that picture, and we'll refer back to that throughout the, uh, the lesson that we're going to present from the course. And imagine that our friend from the jungles wants to know what the friction feels like on his fingertips if he touches the shiny silver disc. What would we say to him? Would it be appropriate to say, sir, please don't touch what appears to be a shiny silver disc or you're going to find yourself in serious trouble because what you think you see isn't there. Recognize that this is a perfect metaphor for exactly what's going on 24-7, 365. When you're in a state of upset and you look at the world between your ears, you're looking at something that isn't there. Now, everybody's had this experience. How many have had somebody, you know, accuse them of saying something they never said, of doing something they absolutely never did? Pretty much everybody's had that experience. What state was the person in who accused you of saying or doing what never happened? They were not in a state of love, but they were in a state of hostility or fear. The hostility and fear-based mind is always producing its own world, and its world is false. So the first idea expressed in this lesson from uh, the workbook, Lesson 240, What is the World?, is the world is false perception. So to the man from the jungles, we'd say the shiny silver disc, yes, that looks like something real in the world, but actually it's false perception. It is not showing you the truth of what is there. There's an interesting lesson in the, uh, the text from page 425 that says, perception makes the world you see. And so we're always seeing the world between our ears, and if we think the world between our ears is actually out there, then we will tend to try to apply the tools of the course inappropriately. Now imagine that I, uh, I have a beautiful garden and a lawn, and I water the lawn every day, but I don't bother putting any water on the vegetable garden. I apply water to the lawn, but I never water the vegetables. What's going to happen to the vegetables? Well, obviously, they're going to suffer and die from a lack of water. We have not applied the water where it was designed to be applied. Well, if you're applying forgiveness to the outside world, if you're saying things like, I forgave Charlie, I forgave Bill, I forgave Harry, I forgave Mary, then you're applying forgiveness inappropriately and it's not going to produce the results that you want. 
When you recognize that forgiveness is to be applied to the world between your ears, and it is the tool for removing content from your mind that never belonged, then you're applying forgiveness as it was designed to be applied, and it will produce the fruit of healing and produce that fruit very reliably. And so if we go on from that first idea in this this lesson, the world is false perception, the Course goes on and says it is born of error and it has not left its source. There's another lesson on page 400 in the textbook that says the world you see is but a judgment on yourself. It is not there at all. And then on page 362 in the text, the Course says that no single instant does the body exist. Now, here we all look at the picture painted on the inside of our eyeballs. We've been trained to think that we're looking out through a set of windows into the world. And when we think that, then we are perceiving in error because we think we're looking at a world of bodies when in fact, just like our our friend from the jungles who's standing before the shiny or the the, uh, spinning propeller, he sees a shiny silver disc. What he sees does not exist. Now, the average person, if you tell them that what they see does not exist, will tell you that you're crazy. And basically, we've got about 7.5 million people in the world that when you inform them of the truth of how perception works and how the world really works, will tell you that you're crazy because they've been brainwashed into thinking that they're looking through a set of windows on a world out there and what they're seeing is accurate about the world out there. When the truth is, the world you see always accurately describes the content of your mind, and if there's hostility or fear in it, it says nothing about the actual world as it exists. In the same way that our friend from the jungles, looking at a shiny silver disc, he could say all, he could you know, speak for hours about the shiny silver disc, and he would not be saying one true word about the world of the propeller, the actuality of what's happening. So we have reality and actuality, two different worlds. And if you recognize that the world that the Course is aiming forgiveness at, that where the Course wants you to apply forgiveness, it's the world between your ears. It's not about applying forgiveness to out there. It's about applying forgiveness to the shiny silver disc, not about applying forgiveness to the, sh- the uh, spinning airplane propeller. And recognize that, and everything starts to change in the practice of forgiveness. So this lesson that tells us that the world is false perception and it remains within us, it's not left its source, says it will remain no longer than the thought gave it birth is cherished. So recognize that your mind is or has a digital to analog converter. That is, when you hold a thought, your mind turns that thought into a world of pictures. 
you know, a few years back, the uh, FCC, in its great wisdom, decided that all television broadcasting had to switch from uh, into digital uh, pictures, digital broadcasting. It used to be what was called analog. And the way to understand the difference between digital and analog is if you have a watch and it's a digital watch, you'll notice that your watch gives you information. If you look at it, it says, you know, 207 or whatever. It has the number 2, a semicolon, 07. If you have an analog watch, then you have a face, you have a picture, hands, numbers, and the analog watch is a picture where the digital watch is information. A world of energy is digital. And the world of energy that is digital is turned into pictures by our minds based upon the thoughts we think about that world. Now, good example of that is have you ever met someone and perhaps the first time you looked at them you thought they were kind of plain or maybe even homely looking and after a period of time when you get to know this absolutely wonderful person you look at them and they are just the most beautiful sight in the world your sight your thoughts have added the beauty that wasn't there when you first met them and so thought turns into the world you see and when you recognize that and you learn to forgive that is remove thoughts that are based in hostility or fear the world you see will change it will shift from that space place where thoughts of hostility or fear are turned into visual information turned to pictures and as the hostility and fear is removed, we'll start to see pictures based only in the active presence of love, even if there's something going on that we don't like in our world. We will transform that world by changing our thoughts. So the Course goes on here to say, when the thought of separation has been changed to one of true forgiveness, the world will be seen in quite another light and one which leads to truth where all the world must disappear and all errors vanish. Now its source is gone and effects are, its effects are gone as well. So recognizing we have two different worlds, when we shift out of thoughts based in hostility or fear, when remove, we remove hostility and fear-based thinking, the removal of hostility and fear-based data in us changes the pictures that we see. And so now that the source of an hostility and fear-based world has been removed, the world itself will shift and change. So pre-forgiveness, one who's got lots of hostility or fear in them, somebody shows up, resonates on hostility or fear, that hostility or fear, those thoughts are turned into a picture of the person we think we're looking at. And we see this body that has all kinds of attributes that are negative and painful for us. And they say, you really hurt me and made me mad. Once I realize that all thoughts of hurt and pain are my own, and I apply forgiveness and I remove those thoughts, 
then this person can do exactly the same behavior and will look at them through a connected mind of love, and that connected mind of love will literally transform everything that we see. We'll begin to see differently. And what we'll see is that where yesterday someone perhaps resonated our pain and having forgiven our own pain, if this person does something that is not in harmony with what we want, then we'll begin to see them through the eyes of compassion and perhaps start to see the root of their pain rather than being stuck within our own. Now, if you think about this idea of, let's go back to our parable, the gentleman from the jungles who's looking at the shiny silver disc between his ears and thinking that he's looking at the airplane propeller. Let's imagine there's something we want him to do in regard to the propeller. But he can't do that until he sees the propeller as it is, forearms spinning around a pivot point. You know, let's imagine we want him to come flying with us, but until, let's just create the scenario that until he can accurately describe the four arms spinning around a pivot point, he can't get on the airplane. Well, that's a pretty good analogy for this particular passage or the next passage in this lesson in the course where it says the world was made as an attack on love. So, Imagine the fellow with the shiny silver disc as his picture. He cannot accurately describe the forearm spinning around a pivot point because he sees something that isn't there. So could we accurately say to him, sir, if you can't let go of the shiny silver disc, you're never going to be able to describe the propeller, and therefore you're never going to get on the airplane and go flying with it. So stop your attack on the propeller, and let's drop, let's forgive, let's remove your perception of the shiny silver disc, and all of a sudden you'll start to see differently. And then it, it, the Course gives a really powerful piece of information here, and that is that when our visual receptors are painted from the inside with someone that we think is the cause of our pain, that picture is our mind symbol of our own fear. We've taken our own fear resonated by someone in the world and we put it into our brain's image of them. And so we see this whole world that this particular lesson offers symbolizes fear. And so if I put my fear into my brain's image of you, I will think you are the cause of my fear. So you become the symbol, the, the body that I make out of my fear that I think is you becomes the symbol of my fear. And then this lesson goes on to ask the question, and what is fear except love's absence? And when I can bring the active presence of love, or what the Course refers to as the mind of Christ, to the underlying fear energy that I put into my brain's image of you, what will happen is 
I'll collapse my picture of you being the cause of my fear, and I will be able to remove my fear. So what is fear except love's absence? Thus, the world was meant to be a place where love could enter not and where we could be apart from love. So here the person who lives in fear creates symbols of their fear, pictures that keep them from the experience of the truth of themselves and others as the active presence of love. It's going to be really hard to experience someone else's love when you're filled with fear and anger and sadness of your own. Apply forgiveness to the underlying part of your mind that holds your hostility or fear and the end result of perception, the world you see will collapse and disappear. You will be freed of your hostility or fear and all of a sudden the world you see will change. Where yesterday you may have seen someone Deserving of your rage, all of a sudden, if someone's doing a behavior that's off base, you'll see someone in pain that is in need of the presence of love. And having forgiven your own pain, you will be able to bring the presence of active love to that person and offer them, as well as yourself, support and healing. So, What the Course says at this stage is that this world between our ears, this world of perception, was born of this fundamental error of making pictures, of making the analog world out of the thoughts that someone resonates in us rather than experiencing that person as who they actually are. And, you know, this is the essence of the why is this happening to me again experience that as long as I hold thoughts of hostility, fear, or pain in me, the world is going to tend to resonate those things in me. And when they do, I'm going to feel those things because they are in me. As I apply forgiveness and remove those things, I will tend to experience a different world. So the Course says this fundamental error of blaming everybody else for one's own hostility or fear is the cause of perception. And then it says, for knowledge could not cause such insane thoughts. So it goes on to say, and eyes deceive and ears hear falsely. Now mistakes become quite possible for certainty is gone. The mechanisms of illusion have been born instead. There's another section of the course in the textbook on page 197 that says, by perception you have lost sight of the real world. That is the actual world as it exists. The difference between the airplane propeller, the perceptual world, and the those two, the perceptual world being the shiny silver disc, the airplane propeller being the actual world. And so once one buys into a world based in hostility or fear, once one buys into the images, the analog pictures 
based in hostility or fear, then they'll go and look for evidence to prove that that's true. And the Course says, their aim is to fulfill the purpose which the world was made to witness and make real. And so as we understand that the perceptual world is always going to produce evidence based upon what's resonated within it. The basic thesis of the Course, and go back to that original question, if you've ever held a newborn child, then you know who you are and what you're designed to live as. And when you understand and know who you are as love, any moment where something less than love is called forward in you, and, and there's a test for determining whether or not something less than love has been called forward in you, and to determine whose content that is. And that is that if I'm experiencing some form of hostility or fear, I'm experiencing it because it's in me. How can I tell it's in me? Because I'm experiencing it. The way to tell whether or not a feeling that you're feeling is yours or not is, are you feeling it? And if you're feeling it and you don't like what you're feeling and you apply forgiveness, then what happens is the world you see, the world of false perception, begins to collapse. Now, in order to engage in the forgiveness process, this basic knowledge that we've just laid out is important and key. And then to recognize what it is that drives the world you see is the next big key. What drives perception, I would offer, is our goals. Whenever I hold a goal for you to do something that I want you to do, and you refuse to accomplish that goal for me, what will happen is that goal will cause my perceptual system to use the content I have around that goal to build the world that I see. And so if I want you, and, and, and just think about this for a minute, have you ever been disturbed or upset towards someone who was doing everything you wanted them to do? They're fulfilling all the goals you have for them, and you're quite happy with them, right? But you'll notice that the only time that you've ever been in upset towards someone is when they're not fulfilling a goal that you have for them. And when they're not fulfilling a goal that you have for them, notice that that goal causes your mind to use some form of hostility or fear to produce the image of them that you see. When you recognize that it's the goals that you hold for the object of your upset, then you recognize that goals drive perception. The core of the process of forgiveness, key to collapsing the world of perception based in hostility or fear, the false world, 
is the canceling of a goal. In the ancient Aramaic language, the word forgive is shebag, and it literally translates to cancel. Now, when it comes to canceling, what do I cancel? Do I cancel you? Do I cancel me? No, that would be murder and suicide. Not the wisest thing to do. But in any given situation, I can look at what I want here. And when I look at what I want, my precise goal identified, and I cancel the goal for what I want, what happens is the world I see collapses, the perception collapses, and I get a different insight. I get to experience something different in me, and what I get to experience in me is I get to bring the root of my pain to awareness. When I'm living in a world where I want to blame everybody else for my pain, and we call that the world of denial, I dissociate from the root of my pain, and my pain becomes unresolvable. When I am living in seemingly unresolvable pain, and I identify precisely what it is that I want from the situation, and I cancel that goal, what happens is the world that I see, the shiny silver disc, collapses. And I get to go directly to the hidden part of my mind. You know, psychology has pretty much shown us that 90 to 95% of our mental processes are unconscious. Most people keep the cause of their pain unconscious because it's too difficult for them to look at it. The way to access the root of the pain in any given situation is to cancel the driver that causes the mind to use that painful content to produce the world that you see. And so when I cancel the goal for what I want, and and I want to be as precise as I can in identifying that goal, that is the core and the essence of forgiveness. Now you say, but Michael, I just wanted this person to love me and cooperate with me. Okay? So if you're, and, and, and what happened when this person didn't love you and cooperate with you? Well, you know, they just made me feel so bad. I, I mean, I just went into such a rage because they're always doing that to me. So, Now what we know by your words is that in your file on being loved is a lot of rage and pain. And you keep that rage and pain hidden by thinking that your rage and pain is about them. And so that's the content that's stored on your file on being loved and getting cooperation. So What happens is, as long as I keep addictively demanding that they love and cooperate with me, then I'll keep producing a world based in my hostility and fear about not being loved and cooperated with. And the seemingly totally backward key way into cleaning that up is, I cancel my need for this person to love and cooperate with me. Now the average person says, Michael, that's crazy. That's a perfectly good goal. Why would I cancel that goal? That's silly for me to do. Well, it seems silly until you recognize that it's that goal for love and cooperation that causes your mind to 
project its hostility and fear-based content in your, into your brain's image of this person in front of you. You know, if you're, you know, we, we hear of the person who's in front of a four-year-old child, their cherished dear child, and all of a sudden the child does not want to do what the parent wants them to do. Well, gee, all I want is cooperation from this kid. And how many times have we heard about the parents going into a fit of absolute rage because they can't get the child to cooperate? Well, we know that the parent in its file on cooperation has a lot of rage. Why does the parent go into a fit of rage and lash out at the child who's only four? The child made you angry? No. The anger was stored there. The child's non-cooperation resonated the anger because you had a goal for cooperation. So as you cancel that goal, in the Aramaic, the word forgive is shabag or shabak, and it means to cancel. When you cancel that goal, what happens is it collapses the projection of your rage into your brain's image of the child. When that rage-based image collapses, then one gets to immediately drop into the underlying part of the mind. And it might be how when I was four and I was interested in the bug that I was watching over in the corner and my parent wanted me to put my shoes on and get out the door because they were late for an important meeting that was going to cost them thousands of dollars. And they raged at me over shoes when... See, I was four. I didn't care about shoes. I didn't care about going to the meeting. I didn't know anything about your silly meeting. I was just wanting to watch that new bug that I'd never seen before. So one may collapse, may drop into that kind of a memory and get to re-experience the rage of their parent when they were more interested in the bug than putting shoes on and supporting the parent getting to the meeting. And so each time I forgive, I get to drop into a deeper hidden part of my mind. And if I'm in hostility or fear and I'm creating a world of false perception, thinking that someone outside of me deserves my rage, you know, my, when I was the four-year-old interested in the bug, I certainly didn't feel like I deserved my parents' rage. But my parent, not knowing how to forgive and not knowing any better, thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to lose thousands of dollars if I don't get to this meeting, used rage to force me to change my attention from the bug to getting my shoes on and getting out the door. And so here's this person who's maybe 50 years of age who's carried the pain of that four-year-old their whole lives. And that pain comes into their perception of their own children. And they wonder why this child that they cherish so much they could possibly rage at. Forgiveness collapses the end result perceptual world, the world of false perception, as this course calls it, and allows it to drop into what underlies it. So why would I cancel a perfectly good goal for someone to love and cooperate with me? Because if I'm enraged over someone not loving and cooperating with me, That's how I get to heal my rage. That's how I get to heal the underlying pain. And by removal of that underlying pain, as I shift out of that, then a whole new world will appear in my perception. 
Because I've removed that fear and that rage, whenever that part of my mind is called into activity by an event in my life, I'm going to produce a whole different world, a whole different perceptual result. I'll be freed of my four-year-old hostility and fear. I'll be freed of what that parent poured on me as an innocent, unknowing child. And I will bring the active presence of love to all the world. And as I do, all the world will shift and rejoice in receiving that new way of my seeing. And as I breathe into that part of me and remove it, I'm freed of it. And when I'm freed of my hostility and fear, I get to live in the truth of who I am. And the truth of who I am, go back and hold the newborn child, is that awesome active presence of love. And as I breathe through and into that awesome active presence of love, I bring a different mind to bear on the world. I bring the mind of love with me rather than the mind of the past, the mind of hostility and fear. And in so doing, I create a whole different world between my ears one based in the truth of who I am in the active presence of love and one based in the possibility of something new. And so that's the essence of the lesson, what is the world? And what I'd like to do is open it up and welcome Dr. Tim, if he's with us today, and see if he's got anything to share, and then let's check on the phone lines. Jane, is Dr. Tim with us? He is, and he's on. Oh, let's see. He may have just dropped. Let me look. I'm here. Oh, there he is. Oh, there he is. I hear the young man. How are you, sir? I'm doing quite well, thank you. You know, the the, the part of this, very quickly, that gets resonated for me is when you say um, perception is an attack on love or perception is an attack on God. Mm-hmm. the way the way that resonates so deeply for me is that what i'm perceiving in any moment is just a snapshot it's like a quick polaroid picture so if i take you know a a, a snapshot of of a person and then i say well i know who they are cuz i've had this picture and this tells me all i need to know about that person it's just such a limiting picture of the whole of what they are, who they are, and what they might end up being, that it, it's it's an attack on it in that way. That if I assume that what little I can see and what little I can perceive about a person is all that they are, it prevents me from seeing their totality, their essence as love, etc. So that's the one thing that got resonated for me, and I was just enjoying the uh, uh, long extended version of an intro today. 
Cool. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's a good that's a good way to express it. Is that little snapshot certainly doesn't say anything about who somebody really is. But if we get stuck in that, we get stuck in in our own minds, in our own past, playing it out over and over. You know, the essence of why is this happening to me again? So, good perspective. Thank you. Well, let's check with Jeannie and see if we've got anybody with a hand up. If we, uh, in touching into that, uh, have any pieces or points that would need to be clarified or if it resonates any questions for anybody. Anybody in the uh, chat room, honey, with a, a question or anybody in the phone queue with a hand up? Uh, Maureen is in the chat room and she just said, thank you for moving us through that topic today. And I put the link both in the chat room, but I also put it in the notes for today's radio show archive to go to the YouTube to watch the mini video. And nobody has their hand up. So if we've got seven minutes, if someone presses one, we've got time for a question. Cool. And and just as a reminder, if you would like, because <clears throat> this is a, um, a kind of a difficult lesson to present without the board for illustration that uh, that you know they say a picture is worth a thousand words well in this case that picture of the world of perception the shiny silver disc uh, for the man from the jungle of South America looking at an airplane propeller forearm spinning around a pivot point just opens a whole different piece of the puzzle so if you want to see that uh, 38 minute video you can go to uh, the link to today's show. Jeannie just said she just put a, li- a link to it in the description, so you can just click on that. If you go to whyagain.org and uh, go to the Mind Shifters Radio, there's a, a radio microphone if you click on that, and then go to the archive for today's show, that link is there. Or you can go to the um, right-hand side of the homepage. Excuse me, <coughs> I have a frog in my throat. If you go to the right-hand side of the homepage, You'll, uh, you'll see the social media links, and the bottom one is for YouTube if you click on that. And then just look down through the, uh, the little thumbnail images, and you'll see a picture of the world. And that gives you the what is the world. Also, another change that I made, I've, I've been learning a little bit about YouTube. One more of those plates spinning out there. I've been learning how to, uh, to change things around in YouTube. And there's another uh, link to a PowerPoint that Bill Costantino did. And that PowerPoint very powerfully condenses 35 years of work into 24 minutes on the whole forgiveness process. And with all the videos we've got in our uh, YouTube channel now, it can be kind of, you know, it can be hard to keep up with or find by looking through all the titles. So if you want to find the 24-minute PowerPoint presentation now, you can just look down through the list and you'll see a picture of the cover of my book. It's a blue book cover. Why is this happening to me again? And the title's been changed, so it says PowerPoint. So you can just look down through the list, find that, and click on it. Put those two together, and you've got an awesome way to spend about an hour of your time. Look at the What is the World? It it starts out the title of the uh, 38-minute lesson is ACIM dash what is the world what is forgiveness mini lesson there's a picture of the world in our youtube channel click on that and then scroll down and find or scroll up whichever way you need to go and find the uh the book cover the blue book cover of why is this happening to me again and the title starts out with powerpoint and those two will just uh 
take a whole different level of clarity because we've got, of course, the visual aspect that we don't get to get here in Radio Land. Jeannie, you've got a caller for us? We do. 781, you're on the air. Hi, Michael. It's Ron. Well, hey there, young man. Good to hear your voice. Welcome. Good to be heard. Uh, just loved your 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 intro. Um, I have been I consider myself very fortunate to have had your instruction early on in my uh, introduction to the course, and you know I, I went and listened to the tapes that you made. I don't know a million times maybe, and um, today I was listening to you, and so many things still resonate to me so strongly. Um, I was doing a little writing while I was listening to you about um, a little mind shifter about easily forgiving as to hostility in my structure. And I was writing stuff that came up on the other side, and I was listening to you speak about unresolvable, this pain seems unresolvable, this hostility seems unresolvable. And I, I just think about myself as a child and... Um, that goal for the parent to value me and my essence more than that meeting or that clean bathroom or that um, insert whatever there. And, of course, I, I, I do the exact same thing as an adult as well, and I'm not laying it on my parents because it's part of the well, what's been handed down from generation to generation, and I'm not immune to it. Um, but it's just... Was I, I was thinking about going up and doing something in my bathroom, and as I walked up to the bathroom upstairs and I closed my, my, my eyes, it was just right there, as clear as day, was the image of the, the shower curtain from when I was eight, nine years old. And it just struck me as the, 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 the implications to what you're talking about, to things like clinical depression and things like chronic fatigue, are just um, profound because we carry so much of what we perceive as unresolvable uh, realities in our mind. So I'd be interested to hear your comments on that. You know, there, there are states of mind that have been going on within our bloodlines for generations and generations and generations. And there's so much energy built up through those generations that here we are, you know, standing as the end result on the shoulders of those who went before us. And when, let's say, for instance, that depression or rage or what have you is resonated, it is so huge, it is impossible, it seems, to get rid of it. And chances are, in any given moment, it will be impossible to get rid of it totally. I think with enough willingness, we could take one of those generational issues and dissolve it in seconds. But that willingness takes some learning. And so what I think really is important to recognize is that I'm going to chip away piece by piece by piece. I'm going to forgive, as Yeshua said 2,000 years ago, perhaps 77 times 70 times until I'm finished with that generational issue. And so the patience and the willingness to go through layer by layer by layer, piece by piece by piece, takes great willingness and great wisdom 
to stick with my process and to move through those layers. And something that I found useful is every time that, you know, that clenched fist comes up or that held breath or that tightness comes up, is if I can just stop and breathe and say to myself, and this is mine, this is about me, instead of it's about the shiny silver disc between my ears, then I can begin to drop into those deeper unresolved and seemingly unresolvable parts of my mind, bring love to them and resolve them. And we're down to just the last few seconds, so perhaps we could continue this call tomorrow when we open the show. In the meantime, we invite everybody to have the best year yet of your eternal life. Blessings. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and myself, Jeannie Rice, as we present the internal Aramaic process of forgiveness. We are here every Monday through Friday from 1 to 2 o'clock Eastern Time on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael, myself, or Aramaic forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www.whyagain.org.